Hello and welcome to Meta Spiritual Talk on the Meta Spiritualist Podcast. I'm your host, Marla, and today we have the honor of speaking with author and speaker Therone Shellman of Therone Shellman Media. Therone's journey began in 2003, and he is one of the very few literary professionals who started his literary journey self-publishing when authors had to utilize the same methods as traditional publishers. Through mistakes, trials, and error, he learned through sacrifice of time and money how to put a book together. Under his first company, along with publishing three award-winning books of his own, the company also published five other authors. Over the years, he's written books, synopsis, bios, press releases, press kits, provided consulting to book projects, and even ghostwritten a few projects. In this episode, we talk about Theron's newly released book from his four-part series, Third Eye Awakening. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Take a listen. The Meta Spiritualist is guided by the creator of the universe through prayer, meditation, and sound healing. Hi, Theron. How are you? I'm doing great. And you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the Meta Spiritualist. I'm so glad to have you on. Thank you. Um, so let's go ahead and get on into it. Um, my first question for you um, is really just getting an understanding of your spiritual journey, um, you know, what your beliefs were before you came into the realization of yourself and um, becoming a writer. So you had mentioned in the book, Third Eye, The Third Eye Awakening, um, that you had been previously incarcerated. Could you talk a little bit about your journey prior to that time and then coming out of that darkness and how you found your way as a writer? Okay. Um, first of all, um, I grew up going to the church, but um, I would say somewhere around like 15 years old, I started to question a lot of things, whether it was, you know, just being a young black man, mm-hmm. also, you know, about spirituality, et cetera. Um, I'm 50 years old, so I was a teen that during the time of like Spike Lee, when he started coming out with his movies, um, Public Enemy, Rakim, et cetera, or this whole conscious movement was going on. So it was kind of hard to ignore. And even we had the issues like with the Central Park case, mm-hmm. um, Howard Beach, where uh that young black man was killed by a Caucasian young gentleman. So there was a lot of racial tension that was going on. So it was kind of hard to like, not question where you stand in between all these things. So it made me question. And at that time, that's when I started researching and learning, et cetera. And um, uh, I realized racism as a young man, I grew up in Long Island. Uh, Long Island in New York is basically liberally, you know, liberal, controlled by liberals. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, I was already aware of Malcolm X, et cetera, and how he explained that, you know, whether it's liberal or conservative, it's just the two sides of the same coin that, you know, me seeing racism, experiencing it as a young man, you know, made me realize that I had to question everything that was taught to me. Yeah. Whether it was education, um, 
religion, etc. Because why would someone that's trying to oppress you and keep you from your social equality teach you anything that's correct to benefit you? Right, so right, that, right. So that caused me to go on, you know, that journey. And I had became a 5% in my early teens, you know. Um, it was actually a nation started by a gentleman who was a captain in the nation of Islam. If you know about Elijah Muhammad, you know about Malcolm X, mm-hmm. then you know about the nation of Islam, et cetera. Yeah. And that's where I started my journey. So what, what was your parents like? What, what were their belief systems? Well, I grew up in foster care. So the homes that I grew up in, all of them were Christian. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just, I wouldn't say I defied uh, their teachings, et cetera. I was just an individual coming into my own mm-hmm. understanding. And as a young man, um, I was already learning. And at that point, mentally, to be aware enough to understand that each individual has their own journey. You know, right. your parents are going to teach you one thing. The world is going to teach you X, Y, Z. But you have to find your own path because every morning you get up and you put your feet down on the ground. So I was already at that stage mentally that it takes a lot of grown people to get to. Yeah. Yeah. So you've written several books and your first book was love. Don't live here. Um, It was considered a bestseller by the African-American market in 2006, according to bookings matters magazine. Could you tell us a little bit about what that initial process was like and what prompted you to continue writing and and then, you know, bringing us into the third eye awakening? Okay. So I started Love Don't Live Here, the first draft when I was incarcerated. Um, I would say around 1991, 92, I was only like 19, 20 years old. And um, the story is about two young African-American women who become single mothers through different circumstances. And they happen to meet by chance and they realize that their main plight in life is to raise their sons to be productive men. Now, the story takes place in the 70s. That's just right after, you know, uh, the turning point of the civil rights movement, et cetera, Malcolm X getting killed in the 60s, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Martin Luther King, et cetera. So there was still a lot of racial tension. Now I was born in 71, but I studied all this, you know, um, I was actually born a few months after George Jackson was killed in uh, San Quentin over in California. George Jackson was the minister of defense for the Black Panther Party. Mm-hmm. So I was just born a little after that. So the book takes place in that environment in Brooklyn, in New York. It's very historical. It's a uh, story about these young women's lives, but it's also a story about uh, the lot of the social inequalities that drove a lot of the issues that Black people have as individuals and also the Black family. You know, I talk about the welfare system and the mm-hmm. government and all these little tricks and games that they play to cause division and also break up the progress that was happening you know, with, during the civil rights movement, et cetera. Right. Right. So, so um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. So, as I mentioned, I started that draft, um, the first draft, you know, as a team. And it wouldn't be until 
2003, where I would try my, I would, you know, I really was off parole, et cetera. It would be at that time that I would try my hand at first self-publishing it. And I hired a company that was a vanity press to help me put it together. And it was garbage. So yeah, I printed 500 copies. I realized it was bad. I realized it was bad. I sold like a hundred copies to just friends, associates, but I wanted to be taken serious. So I took 18 months out to learn, you know, about the publishing industry, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, uh, Amazon Create Space wasn't out in the spark. So if you were to be an independent publisher or author, you had to do it the same way that the large publishers do it, which is called traditional publishing. Mm -hmm. So it was a very hard process, not easy at all. So I took 18 months out to study on the internet, read a lot of books. I read uh, books by Marilyn Marilyn and Tom Ross, um, Mm -hmm. Dan Portner. I looked up all of the people that were considered gurus in the book publishing and marketing space. And I took almost like 18 months, like going to college on my own. You know, I went to the book festivals. We had the Harlem Book Fair that, you know, came out every year and I met authors and I would speak to them and I just took my notes and it would be in 2005 that I started my first company, Third Eye Publishing, and then I republished Love Don't Live Here in 2005. And that right there started my journey. Amazing. And you actually, you, you did write a book called um, How to Self-Publish, right? How to Self-Publish, yeah. It's actually right now How to Self-Publish 2, which is the second part to it. That's mm-hmm. the one I sell right now. And a whole lot of people that I know that are now published have bought that book as one of the books that they utilize to put their stuff out. So I've helped a lot of authors in that manner. Nice. That's, that's amazing. Um, so in the second book, you talk, do you talk more about like the digital space and how to get yes. your book on Amazon and how to get in an ebook form and things like that? I talk, I talk about uh, the three methods. You have the traditional method, which is the method that the uh, large publishers use. What you do is you have your manuscript, mm-hmm. um, you get it edited, uh, you proofread it, et cetera. You have to buy your ISBN, et cetera. You hire your graphics designers. And then uh, to do, you know, to do the book cover. After that, you have to um, find a printer, you know, a press to print your copies of your book. That's the most expensive method because the more books you print, of course, the cheaper the price is going to be per book. And then you have the vanity presses. Vanity presses are companies that, you hire to help you package your book from beginning to end. And I'm kind of prejudiced against them, although there are some of them that are good out there. You know, you a lot of the companies, they don't care if your book is garbage or good. They're going to assist you because that's how they make money. Right. And then you have the self-publishing process, which I actually do right now. You utilize Create Space which is an Amazon company, or you utilize Ingram Spark, which is one of the new companies. Ingram Spark is actually owned by Ingram um, Ingram Group. They're actually the largest wholesaler in the world. So that's what I utilize now. That's the only method, Ingram Spark, that I don't speak about, because mm-hmm. when I put that book out, Ingram Spark didn't exist at that point. Oh, okay, got so it. So there's actually three methods that 
uh, someone who wants to self-publish that they will look at and choose which one works best for them. Okay. But as I mentioned, the traditional book publishing is the most expensive because uh, um, you're paying to get the book edited, Mm -hmm. but you have your graphics designer, and then you're paying to get the books actually printed. Whereas when you deal with Create Space or Ingham Spark, you're dealing with POD, which is actually print on demand. Print on demand. So you could print anything from one book to how many you want. And the prices are pretty comparable. They've made it they've made it so that uh when I used to print like a thousand books to like twenty five hundred books, it's pretty much that same price per book. So they've uh leveraged that by having relationships with the different printers, like English mm-hmm. Sport uses uh, Lightning Source mm-hmm. to print all their books. So I don't know if they own part of the company, et cetera, but they made it uh, where the price is comparable, whether you're printing one or a thousand books. Yeah, yeah. Now that's great information um, to use. I, I actually recently edited my first nonfiction book I've edited two children's books and um, it was a, it was an interesting process because um, part of it was of, of a personal testimony of the the author. And she also included recipes because she's a vegan chef, the one that I gave you the information for. Um, And so that was a really fun uh, process to go through with her and, and it being her first book, but I'm definitely going to recommend your your book to other people that I know who'd like to get into becoming an author and, and self-publishing their books. Yeah. And actually with my first company that I uh, published it, I used to, I had five authors underneath the company as well. Okay. And then, um, you know, when the housing market happened uh, in 2009, you also had the issues when Amazon came out with eBooks mm-hmm. Um it kind of cut into the market as far as the uh, the paperback books, et cetera. And um, a lot of distributors, the bookstores went under, you know, borders went under, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I got caught in the middle of a distribution agreement. And then um, I actually had the clothes that I publishing and I started the own Shelman Media, you know, not too long ago. So mm-hmm. the good thing is I was able to keep all of my books because I self-published. So that's the value in owning, you know, your copyrights and your intellectual rights to your work, because um, when you independently publish or even as an independent artist and you own your work, you can always come back to it. Whereas if you sign with someone, say they control your work, they could actually put you out of business, you know. That's yeah. happening to plenty of authors. It's happened to plenty of people in the music industry. If you get oh, yeah. if you get caught up in a bad contract, that could put you out. Yeah, that is so, so true. So I'm thankful that you know um, I started off as an independent publisher and author, and I stayed that way because I went through that issue. I was able to learn from it, and now mm-hmm. come back with a new brand, uh, bigger ideas. Because I started the Third Eye Witness series, which is in this fourth book. But fourth book right now i'm mm-hmm. working on the fifth one right now um how many how many um issues do you think you're going to come out with i'm gonna honestly eight to ten that is my plans because the books are dealing with self-development in different areas 
um, the fifth book, you know, the first book is dealing with spiritual mental development mm -hmm. from a historical perspective, but also from an individual self-development perspective as well. Um, the second book is dealing with physical health, physical practices, because I'm really big on health. Um, the third book is dealing with skill development. Those are the innate skills that we are born with as individuals and also the skills that we learn um, throughout our travels, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people are unhappy in the world because they've never taken the time to figure out who they are. And once you can figure out who you are, et cetera, you can figure out what you don't like. And then you can figure out from that point what you like. And then right. you could build your life around that. But so many people get caught up in so many other things before they even get to that point, whether it's having kids, getting married, jobs, et cetera. Then now you're caught up in a spiral of, uh, you know, like a volcano eruption because yeah. you don't want to be in that, but it's too yeah. late. You're already in that cycle. That's how a lot of, I, I just thinking on um, several people that I know who got married early at a very early age, it's like you lose your identity or you you didn't get a chance to even form an identity for yourself because you became attached to your spouse yeah. and then you became a mother and a father. And, and so your identity is now, you know, involving the children. And once they're reaching their mid thirties, early forties, it's like, who the hell am I? <laughs> yeah. That's why you see a lot of people in their forties or fifties. So sometimes they divorce and mm -hmm. sometimes they even marry and they're talking about how they're coming into their new self and they're trying to relive their life in the twenties. Like, man, you 50 years old, act like a 50 years right. old. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being real. Like you no. see the older guys with fast cars and all. it's like, come on, you're a grown kid. Like, should have got past all that stuff, but yeah. they're really trying to relive that experience that they didn't get because they were so busy chasing after other things instead of figuring out who they were. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, I recently went through a course called the self-realization of a goddess last year. And this year I went on a retreat. And when I came back from the retreat, I noticed things that, you know, people, they were treating me a little different. And I wasn't tolerating it anymore. And so now I'm in this phase of, you know, I know who I am. I know what I want. And I know that the universe is re is conspiring with me yes. and resonating with me on that vibration. So I'm not going to align myself with things are going that I believe are going to bring me down. You know, I want to be the best wife, the best mother, the best me for me. Because mm -hmm. once there, once everybody else is gone, there's only me, <laughs> you know. So that's the perspective I'm looking at. Um, but I, I want to go into the the question of um, in the book you mentioned the three modern religions: Buddhism, Christianity, and Islam. Can you explain a little bit about how these three are considered modern, how they differ, and how they are aligned? Okay, so. A lot, you know, many people, when they refer to Africa, they refer to it as the first world because, of course, melanated people, black people. And when I say black, a lot of people got to get into, the, oh, you're not a crayon, you're not a skin color. Mm -hmm. Black is not a color, first of all. 
is the origin and the source of all colors. If you even look at an atom, the nucleus of an atom is black. You know, within melanin is a substance called carbon. Carbon exists within the whole universe. Mm -hmm. The universe, when we look at the sky, is blue because of the gases. But once you get past certain levels of the atmosphere, it's black up there. Mm -hmm. So when I talk about these religions, whether it's Islam, Christianity, and Buddhism, they all borrowed from African spiritual systems. You know, um, when I say borrowed, they took bits and pieces, like the Ten Commandments. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments was actually taken out of the 42 principles of Naya. When you talk about the story of the Immaculate Concession, Jesus and Mary, that is a story of Isis, Horus, etc. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, and Osiris. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mention all three: Isis, Horus, and Osiris. You know, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. And before that time, there were other stories, etc. So, each culture, you know, whether it was the Indian culture, the Asian culture, European culture, of course, they borrowed from older cultures. We're the older culture, you know. When um, you think of Plato, Aristotle. Uh, Greek mythology, et cetera. All those are stories borrowed from African stories. Right, right. It wasn't until I watched the movie Zeitgeist, the Zeitgeist, that I realized how similar the story of Christ was to all the previous religions that Christianity or Christians now call pagan. Of course. Um, so it, it's, it became confusing for me at some point in my journey because then it's like, what do you mean? Like there was, you know, Osiris and Horus and Isis. And, and it, it's really interesting that we have allowed for um, religion doctrine to program us to believe one thing without doing further research. Why do you think that is, you know, well, that's not really questioning where the belief system started and, 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 you know how we we got here okay we got to look at the world that we in right now um after you know uh like northern africa fell you know at first it was the arabs you know the muslims were islam etc mm -hmm. and then after it was you know the greeks and romans etc but it was the romans who established the Catholic Church, and that was the nail in the coffin, because they were the ones that sat back and said that we're going to create, we got some of this information, you know, when we're talking about, you know, um, how the modern Christianity was formed. And um, there were so many different ideas that were going on. And the emperor at the time, Constantine, he wanted to put a rap so that he wouldn't control and he understood that the only way that we can control the narrative and control people is if we create this one belief system and make that the system of the world mm -hmm. and that anybody that goes against that they off with their head yeah so, is that, that, so is that, that was the, the beginning yeah no go ahead i'm sorry 
So that was the beginning of how, uh, you know, the Roman Catholic Church, because back then uh, the church had became so powerful that anything that was done on a military scale had to be sanctioned by the church, you know, because they was like they're doing this in the name of God, in the name of Jesus. So mm-hmm. as they started going around conquering the lands, et cetera, and claiming them for Rome, it was also propagating their belief because they would send their missionaries in there, their uh, priests, etc. Like we're uh, educating the savages and the heathens or whatever you want to call anybody that wasn't Christian at the time. So mm-hmm. this happened, this went all the way from uh, where they were at in Rome into the other parts of Europe and even into the history of how uh Caucasians came over here to America, whether it was Spain, you mm-hmm. know, even with Spain, they, they got sanctioned by the church, the Roman Catholic Church, England, et cetera, France, et cetera. Mm-hmm. We're still under Greco, if technically, if you look at it, we are still under Greco-Roman law here in America. If you were to look at how everything is set up and who really pulls the strings, we're still underneath that doctrine because it had also become, because before the time of America, right, Mm -hmm. um, there was really no such thing as the idea of Caucasians. But as they started coming out of Europe, Mm -hmm. they understood that they needed to get underneath one system so that they could subjugate the world. So that's when the idea of white, black, and et cetera came about because before it was either you were French, German, um, yeah, they, they, so yeah, they, they the related. church was used as a vehicle to promote white supremacy. So yeah. now that we're in America and they've made Christian entity right and it also made it white. They instituted all of this into the education system, into every system that exists. So the people have been brainwashed to such a degree. And I'm talking about Caucasian people, black people, et cetera, because you gotta understand when the slaves were taken from Africa, before Mm -hmm. they were brought to America, they were brought to the islands first. That was the first step. They mm-hmm. were brought to the islands first, and they were there for like 64 years before they even took them into the Americas. So you have a people that their culture was stripped, their language was stripped, their knowledge of who they were was stripped. So when I take your kids, your kids don't know anything. Right. right. And they're the future of the next generation. So now we're going to teach them the way we want to teach them. And we're not even going to allow them to read. And it got so bad that it wasn't even a point of reading. It was the point that the Christianity that they propagated to the slaves was totally different than what was taught to the Caucasians. And they didn't want them to read the, you know, the book because then they would know that they were lying about a lot of things. So you would have a pastor propagating to uh, the slaves you know, the black slaves that X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. And that's what, you know, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the scene that was in the book. Right. Right. So, 
So, so that's you, why when you have what people don't question, even to this day, you know, uh, it's been ingrained, so ingrained in the site within people that, pe- you know, the wh- white people, Caucasian people don't even understand how Caucasian, how that religion, Christianity has got them so ingrained in white supremacy that they never even take the time to really study the history. And the same thing with black people, because a lot of black people have been poured up generation to generation to generation that mm-hmm. they're just so numb to it but it's yeah yeah no that's real that is so real because we we were taught you know to stay in a child's place as a kid we couldn't question our parents and then as we grew in our religion we couldn't we can't question god and it's like, well, doesn't the Bible say that we are made in his image? So that would make us gods, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, once I started questioning things about the Bible, I ran into so many people who were, you know, theologians and, and you know, brought up in the church and going to Sunday school and Sabbath school and all these different things. And there's specific questions that you will ask them and they cannot answer those questions. Okay. And and the, and, the, and the crazy thing about it was that I started, you know, as I started studying, mm-hmm. by the time I was 19, and I, I was the type that at that time, you know, even when I was incarcerated, I would go to the mosque, I would go to the church, and I would question the pastors, I would question the imams, and I had became so versed in my studies that they see me, they be out of it. Because like, <laughs> because like here comes the road. We need to leave. <laughs> yeah, you know, and um, because that's one thing, you know, growing up as a five percent of the nation of gods and earths, we was taught to question things. Mm-hmm. You know that you should never take anything on face value, no matter who says it. You know that's why we believe in showing proof. Right. You know, like if you say you know something, you should be able to defend that. Absolutely. No, I started yeah, learning. Yeah. I started learning about the five percenters and supreme mathematics and the supreme alphabet in 2007. Um, I had a few friends. I was living in Cincinnati at the time, and it became fascinating to me because I started learning about numerology and it led me down the supreme mathematics. And I was like, this is like, this is making a lot of sense. You know, but then I put it away for a while and was really like into the church. Mm-hmm. And now things are coming back around again. So. And, uh, and the crazy thing about that is that I'm a person that I believe that there is no one platform, mm-hmm. meaning that you should always seek knowledge from the creator to the grave. So even I, like at the age of 28, I moved on from the nation because I graduated in my studies and I realized that there was more mm-hmm. to, you know, because I only know so much. You only know so much. The mm-hmm. next person only knows so much. So it's important that you keep moving on your path of studies. You yeah. know, there's no one school that knows at all right so it's important not to get stuck and that's what happens with religions i think that for most people religion is a good starting point i'm not going to speak bad against islam or christianity etc but too many people get stuck in one house 
Mm-hmm. When, you know, when there are many, you should, you should learn as much as you can and move on. It's, it's the same like going to school. You don't stay in first grade your whole life. You go from first grade, second grade, third grade, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that reminds me of like with, with children, you know, because I'm a mom, they need structure. So religion is kind of like that structure. You know, mm-hmm. you if you're going to church and you're studying scripture, you're building a foundation on mm-hmm. the knowledge of, of, of course. ancient texts. You know, you're right. Discipline is very important. And spirituality is about way more structure than religion. A lot of people want to mm-hmm. get into spirituality so they think that they're free it's all about, <laughs> they're free to do it no you're you're doing with some craziness that i don't understand because spirituality is about science yeah and our uh, universal law and universal laws is what it is it's boundaries it's certain things it's a plant is a plant a tree mm-hmm. is a tree a dog is a dog a cat is a cat it's not you could in your mind think you're batman or whatever but the nature of who you are is what it is. It's almost like saying how they sit back and say that there's no genders. It's like, to me, that's don't make no sense. A male has certain chromosomes. A female has certain chromosomes. That's scientific. This is ingrained within the DNA of the universe. It has nothing to do with what you think in your head. Yeah. Yeah, It's so funny that you bring that up because my mom um, and I, we were, we went to yoga this morning with a friend who moved to the mountains and it was so peaceful. We had tea. I read or- my oracle cards. We did the singing bowls. And it was it was just a really like peaceful and relaxing day. And we started talking about that very thing. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm no one to judge. This no, is, it's not judge. One thing, like I said, when mm-hmm. I was stating the last time, mm-hmm. I'm not judging, but yeah. there's a truth. And there's whatever- truth. One plus one is two. You can yeah. think whatever you want to think. And if it offends you, that's your issue. Yeah. That's something that you got to deal with. But it is what it is. I'm not right. going to shy away from stating the truth because you get offended in your feelings. I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts about this cancel culture? You know, with people stating certain things that are true, like universally, they're true. Scientifically, they're true. And the pop, the masses, you know, mainstream media is canceling those those truth tellers. I, I think that the only way that we're going to get past that is if people keep speaking, not so much their truth, but a truth that is undeniable. What that mm-hmm. means is that when you study, you have the facts, etc. You know, like I strive not to speak about something that I have not studied intensely. Mm-hmm. So if you want to argue and debate me, like there are plenty of people who don't agree what I say, but I say, yeah, you want to debate me on it? They don't come on my page messing with me because I rip them. I'm very sharp. Man. I rip <laughs> them apart. Mm-hmm. So you could deny me. You could try to uh, blacklist me or whatever. It's because you just get offended, get it in your feelings. That's it. Debate right. me. Right, and right. I think that until more people get on that page, that's the way to deal with it. Because you have a lot of people that uh, they don't 
they don't want to deal with uh, that whole idea of law and order. Mm-hmm. I think scares them. They just, you know, like I said, like people run from religion and they go to spirituality because they feel that it's a free thinking. You could just do whatever. It's like going on a basketball court and trying to play football. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work like that. And us as humans, we have certain, we have laws that we need to follow. Put it this way. If you go into a laboratory, right? Mm-hmm. And you just put anything together, you're going to blow, you're going to blow yourself up. Right. Because there, <laughs> there, there were scientific universal laws that you mm-hmm. need to follow. And when we don't follow them things, we not only cause problems for ourselves, but we cause problems for every other being that's on this plant, whether it's animals, the plants, trees, or whatever. So that shows that we have to be disciplined and disciplined in regards to the scientific laws that we are aware of and follow them. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. a free pass to do what you want. Unfortunately, that's just not how it is. Yeah. Now, I real I do realize in your book, uh, The Third Eye Awakening, you mentioned, and it seemed that it became a mantra throughout the book, that truth is universal and it belongs to all. What would you say about those who are not subscribed to that realization? And is there just one truth? There is a universal truth. And then there's the truth that... Uh, like people say, be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think people take that too far because being true to yourself doesn't mean that you're living in truth. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people like, you know, some people are, are true to themselves and they're doing craziness. That's, I mean, I'm just being real. You're not following any type of. Is that where, order. is that where the Bible talks about you being turned over to a reprobate mind? Where meaning you, you will believe a lie to be the actual truth yeah well i'm gonna it's sort of similar like that Mm -hmm. so there is the universal truth which is concrete truth it's almost like what they talk about karma Mm -hmm. so karma is based around universal truth so when you violate universal laws you're going to get a reward, a penalty. So you could be living in your truth. That's in your mind. Like I said, you could think you're Batman, but that mm-hmm. are you Batman? Right. So that's the thing, you know, and it's very important as humans. We're, we're given a mind to not just think, to critically think, to weigh and judge and experiment. Mm-hmm. Because there is a right and wrong. And when you do wrong, there's consequences for that. And when we do right, there is a reward for that. Mm-hmm. Whether we accept it or not. Yeah. Whether no. We, no. no, go ahead. Yeah, whether we accept it or not. It's, to, it's the way it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's something hard to accept. It's something hard to accept, but there is a truth that is concrete. It's, yeah. it's, just, it's as concrete as one plus one is two. Right. Just yeah. They, no- they, where, where people say, you know, there's 
there's three sides to every story. You know, this person's perspective is in, in, in one way. This person's perspective is another. And then there's the actual truth that actual. lies between them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Okay. I'm going to ask you talk about do not assist those ruled by ambition. We're taught in our capitalist society that you should have ambition. Can you unpack what you mean when you said that? Okay. So when you talk about, uh, uh, I'm going to say that capitalism in general um, as a system is a system that is built in immorality and deceit. Mm -hmm. So if we're basing anybody that's basing whatever it is that they want to do based on that system, they're not right. So when I say do not assist anyone that is, uh, their main idea is all about, you know, competition and um, making themselves rich, do not help them type of people because Whatever we do, we have to do it in a sense of morality and mm -hmm. values because that's what makes us who we are, whether we're a good person or a bad person. And what makes us a good person or a bad person is our idea and respect for life. Mm -hmm. If you're doing what you're doing and you know that it's hurting people, depriving people, robbing people, whether it's financially or of their social equality, then what you're doing is immoral. And a lot of people, you know, now I'm just like dealing with high explosives. Mm -hmm. You got a lot of people that will seek to learn a knowledge that other people don't have so that they can utilize it to benefit their selfish needs and take advantage of other people. Them type of people, you got to be leery of giving that knowledge too, because that's why we have a lot of problems in the world that we have. Mm -hmm. um, we're starting to see that with companies right now, where you have a lot of people that are exiting companies because they're realizing that these companies are just utilizing them for their time, their resources, et cetera, and they're not benefiting at all from it. So yeah. even there have been platforms now to support companies that are more socially aware, meaning that they're more aware of people, more aware of the environment, more aware of the responsibility that they have to be a steward of the community. Mm -hmm. So when you're dealing with people on an individual level, um, it's very important that you know the type of person that you're dealing with. That's why a lot of institutions are corrupted now, whether it's politics, whether it's the business world, fraternities, et cetera, because you have a lot of people who are a bad character that have been able to rise up the ranks. And if you're a bad character, you're not going to do good things. You're going to do bad things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that's who you are as a person. You're not, you know, you're not concerned about anybody else. And they always say that when you want to build a company, 
it's not so much just about making money. It's about creating a product or service that you feel that people need and that will be beneficial to the world, et cetera. There's nothing right. wrong with wanting to become a millionaire, a billionaire, but how you go about it in relation to people, the environment, and everything, that is very important. Because yeah. if you're doing what you're doing uh, and it's destructive, then, you know, it's like, that's what they mean about, like, when they say sell your soul, yeah. you know, the word, you know, that term comes from <laughs> sell your soul is about when you, there's two ways to look at it. You can sell your soul when you enter into a situation that goes against your morals and your values and you're mm-hmm. just seeking opportunity and money, or you can sell your soul when you have poor morals and values. Yeah. Just like a why, fire. Why do, you, why do you think that it's more prevalent in like the entertainment industry, you know, music, sports and entertainment, um, politics? Why do you think that that's where people tend to sell their soul? Why? Because of the fact that in other industries, um, like for instance, like if you go, like you become, you work in manufacturing and you become, you know, you start from the bottom, nowhere, and you work your way up all the way to VP, et cetera, you're not as popular. Whereas in the music industry, politics, sports, et cetera, it's the notoriety that you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're placed in that position, your value system is tested. Mm-hmm. Your ego is tested. Who you are eternally is tested. And that's when, you know, as they say, you, you never know who a person really is until they're under fire or that they lose things or that uh, who they are as a person is really questioned. So that's why, you know, you see a lot of people that will get themselves into situations that are against their values, mm-hmm. um, morals, et cetera, because they want the fame. Yeah. Think about all these young people or you watch these shows and movies about these artists, et cetera. And, um, or the, you know, most of them, or they was thinking about the fame. They wasn't thinking about taking care of their families or getting stable or whatever. They just want that drug of yeah. being known, et cetera. And um, think about also in the movies, like you watch the movie 300 or other movies where they were being tempted. And they was always telling you, you're going to be famous. You're going to have such and such amount of women. Or if you're a woman, all these men are going to love you. It's that. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking. That's why it's important to be grounded. Yeah. You know, when, like I've been in situations like I, I personally, I've, I've let deals go past me or whatever, because they were aligned to certain people, yeah. certain situations. I got offered a deal for my first book, Love Don't Live Here. Mm-hmm. They wanted to buy the book. They were going to give me straight cash. It wasn't going to be no um, 
royalties, none of that. It was going to be here's a check. They wanted to rewrite the book, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I told them no. And then another deal came on the table. It was about two weeks later. It was in regards to signing to signing a one book deal to write mm-hmm. a book for uh, one of the big publishers. It happened to be one of the rappers was was linked to that. And I didn't want to deal with that because they were going through a whole bunch of issues. And, I, you know, I, I'm I'm a thinking man. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of things in hip hop. A lot of people have gotten themselves caught up in situations. Um, people have gotten themselves blood oaths is real. You know, a lot of people have sacrificed it. people to get ahead. And, you know, I'm smart to stay away from certain people. I'm not that type of person that is just money hungry or whatever. If I look and see that that person at that moment, bad character and stuff is going on around, I'm going to stay away from that stuff. Yeah. No, I remember um, when I was in my early 20s, I signed a recording contract with three other young ladies. And um, we found out that the guy was, a big time drug dealer. The feds were after him while we're, you know, getting dolled up and and going to the artist factory to record and take professional photos and booking a tour. Um, You know, the feds are after him. He's calling us on burner phones, throwing them away, doing all that kind of crazy stuff. (laughs) And I'll never forget it because it came to a week away from us getting our signing bonus. And I had prayed. I was like, God, this $15,000 that I'm supposed to get at the end of this period is not worth my soul. Mm -hmm. And when I prayed that prayer, the very next morning, he showed up at our door and was questioning the two of the ladies who was not going to the gym. They didn't lose any weight. Mm -hmm. And um, he came to me and questioned me. And I flat out told him, I was like, you know, you're no, nowhere to be found. So why should they? Because I was doing what I was supposed to do because I'm mm-hmm. like, they're not going to catch me slipping, you know. And so I said, why should they or even myself believe what you're telling us? Because you're the one that's running from the feds. Mm-hmm. I'm mad at me told me I need to go pack my stuff to move out the house. And I said, don't mind if I do. It was an answered prayer because I really believe that um, had I got that money, there would have been more stipulations and more requests coming in that I was not willing to compromise my soul for. Yeah, yeah. I'm still not willing to compromise my soul for things. That's why I'm, I'm pretty much on my own now. So it's it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and and it's out there just like that. A lot of people find themselves getting caught up. But, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up in the streets. So I was hustling young. So I'm very smart. You know, I, I've learned things. And thankfully, me growing up, you know, becoming a 5% and young, that cemented uh, the foundation in regards to my morals and values, et cetera, that, you know, I'm not one of them kids you could dangle with checks to. You know, and as a grown man, you definitely can't come around me with none of that nonsense. I'm just yeah. going to get you away from me quick. 
Yeah. I I don't mind struggling or whatever, but you're going to be struggling in a different manner. You know, (laughs) I could look in the mirror and know that I'm a complete person. I don't hate the person I am, but a lot of people got that big bag of money, but they always looking at themselves and they know they ain't good at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's real. That's that's real. You know what? I remember you mentioning the other night, um, the foundation and building the house and, and kind of relating it to spirituality. So mm-hmm. could you just re reiterate that for me real quick so that I can make sure I, I plug it into the correct spot? Okay. So like, um, let's just use this as an example. Like uh, back in the days, like when you had to go to the higher schools, we all know that what they call masonry right now, um, the Moors brought to the Knights of Templar and the Knights of Templar is the ones that gave to the instructions of what, you know, the Europeans call masonry now, but that all started from African spiritual sciences. And you had to be a person of sound, you know, morals, values, and characters to even be accepted. Not anybody could just walk through them doors because that is the foundation of being a human being. If you don't have that foundation, there's nothing to build on that's solid. Mm-hmm. So um, just like building a house, you might have a house that's three floors. You can't build the third floor before you build the second and first floor. You know, mm-hmm. and that applies to anything, whether it's education, um, spirituality, working out, it all applies, it's all typical. And too many people, even now, especially like with uh the new woke society and all that, mm-hmm. too many people are getting caught up in sciences that are way beyond who they are as a person. They haven't even got down to the basic raw, you know, raw science of dealing with you as a person, you know, building your discipline, mm-hmm. you know, building your self-respect, um, dealing with yourself on just a basic physical, mental, and spiritual level. So, there are steps, there are processes that you have to go through, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, and, that's good. and it's very important not to get uh, fast track or ahead of yourself because that can cause problems. Because we have a scene, you know, when uh, in a nation was that knowledge is de- like dealing with high explosives. Could you imagine if you dealt with chemistry before you even learned how to deal with addition, subtraction, the basic math. Right. Drive you crazy. It's the same thing, you know, and some people are going crazy. You see it on like, you're dealing with something that you don't really understand. You're going to cause problems for yourself. Yeah. Because you haven't even taken the time to learn the the basic foundation. Yeah. No, that's real. I like that. Well, Theron, thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I'm, 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 I'm actually kind of happy that uh, I got to talk to you again. Okay. <laughs> um, but let everyone know where they can find you, and I'll definitely put the links in the show notes once the episode drops. Okay, I appreciate first of all coming on the show and um, TikTok, Theron Shulman Media, on um, Facebook, Theron Shulman Media, LinkedIn. 
Theron Shulman. We also have a page, Theron Shulman Media. And of course, if you want to purchase books, I'm on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Books A Million, Google Play Books, and most importantly, the Rome Shulman Media website is www.theronesmedia.com. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you all so much for tuning in for today's Meta Spiritual Talk. If you would like to contact the Rome for speaking engagements, self-publishing, or other media-related business, you can visit his website at www.theronesmedia.com. You can also find links to Theron's social media handles in the description below. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at The Metaspiritualist, Twitter at Metaspiritu1, and of course on Podbean, Apple, Google, the iHeartRadio app, and Listen Notes. Also, we're now on Instagram, so you can find us there at The Metaspiritualist. Until next time, may the God of the universe conspire with you, bringing you an abundance of love, peace, happiness, health, and wealth.